Sergei Kovalev needed several attempts at the weigh-in yesterday to make the 175-pound limit for his fight tonight against Canelo Alvarez. Can we read anything into that? Is he struggling in his old age to make the weight? It's a little surprising, actually, because he fought quite recently. So it's not like he had any time to, you know, get out of shape and then struggled to get the weight back off. No, he would have stayed in shape. And in fact, Kovalev's never been a guy who really balloons in between fights anyway. So a little surprise in there, but it was only a quarter of a pound. But then again, it took him several attempts to get it off. He had to strip naked in the end in order to weigh in at 175. So, hmm, can we read anything into that? It certainly can't be a good sign, right? Because Kovalev has been susceptible to body shots uh, several in several fights during his career. And a guy who's maybe struggling at the weight is even more susceptible to those body shots. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Now, as far as my breakdown and my prediction of this fight, the most popular prediction in the whole world of boxing is probably Canelo on points. <laughs> in fact, it's become a running joke in my Facebook boxing group. Whenever anybody asks a question, no matter what question it is, it could be who wins in a fantasy matchup between Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. There'll always be at least one person who answers the question by saying, Canelo on points. <laughs> That's how popular that prediction is, that people make it a running joke. So you know where I'm going with this, people. Oh yeah, I've got to do it to you. My prediction for this fight against Sergey Kovalev is Canelo on points. That's right. And a lot of people are picking Canelo to win by stoppage, and of course it's possible. But Canelo's never been a guy that has a great work rate himself. Canelo's never been a guy that has great stamina himself. In the past few years, and I guess it's because he's moving up in the weights, but over the past few years, yeah, he's had some uh, impressive fights where he's fought a come-forward pressure fight like he did in the Golovkin rematch. And he was more active in that fight than we're used to seeing him. But still, he's no uh, volume puncher. For the most part, Canelo Alvarez, he's a guy who favors quality over quantity. So in order to take out a guy like Sergey Kovalev, he's going to have to put together a sustained barrage. Now, if he hits him with the right body shot, of course, he could fold him in half. I'm sure most of you who have been following the sport of boxing for any length of time will have seen people just randomly going for a fight and everything seems to be perfectly okay for them and they get hit in the right spot in the floating rib, they go down, grimacing in pain, and they can't get back up. So yeah, a body shot like that could land. But failing that, and body shots like that are fairly rare, okay? Failing that, I'd be surprised if Canelo stops Kovalev. Yeah, I'd be surprised, because I think it's going to have to take a sustained attack with Kovalev static, and Canelo putting the pressure on him and not letting up. Uh, for Kovalev to actually wilt. So, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I think it will take a while, several rounds, for Canelo to even be able to get close enough to Kovalev to land, you know, several uh, shots, a sustained combination, etc. So, look, I'm not, I'm certainly not counting out a Canelo stoppage. It's perfectly feasible, but I'm going to lean towards Canelo winning this fight on the cards. 
whether he deserves to or not, we know Canelo's history. We know the fact that he's had several fights where the decisions were contentious. It's in Las Vegas. You're not going to win a decision against Canelo in Las Vegas. Buddy McGirt has already spoken about if they get robbed on the scorecards, the whole world will see it. So, so it's already in McGirt's head that they could get robbed. You know, normally trainers these days, they try and say, oh, we're not even thinking about getting a bad decision. We believe the judge is going to do the right thing. Loads of times you hear fighters and trainers saying that, right? Well, not in this instance. Buddy McGirt is saying, <laughs> if we do get robbed, the world will know that we got robbed. So, yeah, I think that Canelo Alvarez's head movement is fantastic. We saw that in the Danny Jacobs fight. Is Sergey Kovalev any faster with his hands than Danny Jacobs? I would say absolutely not. He's got a better jab than Danny Jacobs. Yes, a harder jab. Probably a harder puncher than Jacobs. In fact, almost certainly a harder puncher. At least a harder puncher than the 160-pound Jacobs. We don't know what he's like at 168, but yeah. Harder puncher, I think he's got a better jab, but he's slower than Jacobs. And if Jacobs wasn't able to tag, if Jacobs struggled badly to tag Canelo Alvarez with anything clean throughout the 12 rounds, then I have to imagine Sergey Kovalev is probably going to struggle too. Now, there are, there are certain things that Kovalev could do to try and uh, counteract Canelo's head movement, and that is jab for Canelo's chest. Not necessarily his body, but jab for his chest. Of course, you run the risk of being countered over the top when you start jabbing guys uh, to the body particularly. But is Canelo fast enough to counter Kovalev over the top with a right hand? Can he cover that distance that quickly? Maybe in the later rounds he might be able to when Kovalev has slowed down some. But in the early rounds, will he be able to do that? Mm, we'll see. So yeah, Kovalev jab to Canelo's chest, try and weaken those arms. Because you know, if you get jabbed in the chest by a guy who's got a really hard jab, all of a sudden, you, you, you can't quite throw your punches the way you want to. Your chest is hurting. The muscles feel like they're bruised. You know, I know the adrenaline's going and all that, but in a tough fight, trust me, you feel it. So that's something that Kovalev could do because... To me, it's clear that Kovalev intends to win this fight with a jab. That's what he's been doing with Buddy McGirt the past couple fights. And that's what I, I expect them to try and do here. And they'll be going for a points win, I think, um, if they can get it. You know, they'll be looking to dominate in such a fashion that the judges won't be able to take it from them without some kind of uproar from the public. But realistically, if... He really wants to give himself the best chance of winning. He's going to have to gamble and go for the knockout. That's my view. And in order to set that knockout up, jab to the chest, try and slow Canelo down. See, people are thinking about Canelo slowing Kovalev down and then going to work on him. <clears throat> if Kovalev really wants to give himself the best chance of winning, in my view, he has to slow Canelo down. He has to slow down Canelo's head movement, jab him to the chest, jab him to the body, also, but you need to be more careful of that because obviously when you jab to the body, your hands lower, your shoulders lower, you're even more susceptible to right hands over the top. So yeah, keep it long, frustrate Canelo, try and slow him down. And then in the second half of the fight, go for the knockout. Obviously, you don't want to be reckless about it. And Kovalev's never really been a particularly reckless fighter. 
So do it behind that jab, but throw them big right hands in, even throw some right hands to the body, you know? Try and take Canelo Alvarez out, because if you can knock him out, you don't have to worry about judges. But with all that being said, in my mind, the most likely outcome is that Canelo takes this fight on the cards. So we'll see what happens. It's an intriguing fight. I saw somebody post something in my Facebook boxing group about a rehydration clause. They, they quoted Dan Rayfield or something. Now, as far as I was aware, there was no rehydration clause for this fight. We know that there's, a, there's no catch weight. It's a, a full 175 pounds. If there is a rehydration clause, yeah, it does take some luster off the fight, but I don't know. If it's 185 pounds, it's not that bad because Kovalev has weighed in on fight night. There were several fights where on, on the night of the fight, he weighed 185 pounds there or thereabouts for certain fights. Now, that was several years ago. The older version of Kovalev, he may well weigh you know, north of 190 pounds on fight night. But certainly, you know, years ago when Kovalev was in his prime, 185, it wasn't uncommon to see him come in the ring at that weight. So, I don't know. If any of you can confirm or deny whether there really is a rehydration clause for this fight, please drop the information in the comments section below. Uh, it does take a little luster off it, but we still have to give Canelo credit if he comes through this fight with a legitimate victory. Let's not get that twisted at all. I know people are critical of Canelo. I've been very critical of Canelo in the past, but I've got to give credit where credit's due. Jumping up two weight divisions to fight a man who's not only naturally bigger than him, you know, a harder puncher than him, but also taller with longer arms. So in terms of the tail of the tape, he's giving away every advantage. And that's not to be scoffed at. In terms of, you know, fighting people who with longer arms, taller, all this kind of stuff. Because if you are, let's say, a Tommy Hearns, and you're moving up through the weight divisions, you've got this great big long reach, which gives you an advantage <clears throat> if you know how to use your reach, of course, because not every fighter knows how to use their reach. Not every fighter can hit like Tommy Hearns, they're not as fast, they're not as skillful. But if you take Tommy Hearns' reach away, give him a 72 inch reach as he moves up the weight divisions it's going to be more difficult for him to have success you know that reach really helped him in a lot of fights but Canelo Alvarez doesn't have that doesn't have reach over these big guys doesn't have height a lot of the time he doesn't even have foot speed so let's give credit where credit's due if Canelo comes through this with a legitimate victory all right I'm picking Canelo on points. Let me know who you're picking in the comment section below. It's happening, I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. 
For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Shane McGuigan revealed some interesting information about Anthony Joshua in this toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe video right here on Sky Sports Boxing YouTube channel. He said that Anthony Joshua is working with another coach, as well as Robert McCracken, and that this coach has done some work with some other matchroom fighters or some other fighters, I think, who Anthony Joshua uh, manages. And he says that he doesn't think that's a good thing for there to be two coaches. And he's actually picking Andy Ruiz to beat AJ again. And you know what? With regards to the two coaches, I agree. I don't think that's a good idea. In fact, this coach, whose name I forget, please forgive me. In fact, you can go and watch this uh, video right here and Shane McGuigan will tell you the, na the name of the guy. But uh, I suspect that this coach has been whispering in Anthony Joshua's ear and doing little bits and pieces of work with him for quite some time. And I'm talking about maybe for the past couple fights. Because as I've mentioned in countless videos, there appears to be, you know, a, a conflict in terms of the way AJ should be fighting, in terms of AJ's style. Because if you look at the Povetkin fight, AJ's fighting with his left hand down. After the first couple rounds, he starts fighting with his left hand down in in a more smooth and less clunky style than we're used to seeing him fight. But when he goes back to the corner, Robert McCracken is saying, keep your hands up, mate. You know, keep center of the ring, mate, and all this business. But AJ comes out and does it for a few seconds, but then he goes back to this other style where he's got his hands down and he's, he's looking a bit more fluid. Same thing happened in Andy Ruiz first fight. McCracken saying, keep your hands up. AJ keeps his hands up for, you know, a few seconds at the start of each round. Then his hands come down and he starts moving around. Now you could say, well, he's, he's tired. Well, I don't think it's just as simple as him being tired. Uh, I think it's actually, well, ke keeping your hands down. If you're a big guy like AJ, big muscular guy, especially if your muscles are pumped up from weightlifting, keeping your hands down is less tiring than keeping your hands up. Okay but you have to know when you can keep your hands down. But no, I think it's what AJ's being taught. I think that McCracken is trying to teach him one style and his other trainer's trying to teach him another style. That, to me, causes confusion in the camp. I remember when Prince Nassim was working with two different coaches. He was working with Manny Stewart and another coach called... Um, Oh, I forget the guy's, it was his surname, Sanchez. I forget the guy's name. Was it Oscar? Was it Suarez? Oscar Suarez? I forget the guy's name. It might have been Oscar Suarez. But Prince Nassim was working with two different coaches. And I think it might have been for the Barrera fight, was it? Where between, uh, you know, in the corner between one round, you'd have Manny Stewart. And then in the corner between the next round, you'd have Suarez. I mean, how confusing is that? 
two different coaches, both have an ego, both may have a different game plan, both might teach a different style, both might have a different idea in terms of what they want the fighter to do. Nah, man, I, I, I don't like the sound of that at all. Now, in some instances, having several coaches can work out well. I mean, we've seen with Terence Crawford, for example, he apparently has several coaches and it's all gone swimmingly well so far. But with AJ in this particular situation, and in most situations where you have multiple coaches trying to teach a fighter, it usually doesn't end up working out that well, in my experience. Sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't. It just sows confusion into the fighter's mind. And particularly for AJ going into this Andy Ruiz rematch, there's already confusion in his mind. There are several things about AJ going into this Ruiz rematch which are cause for concern. First of all, his mind wasn't right going into the first fight. I think we can all agree on that. He didn't look right. That was not the normal AJ walk into the ring and in the corner before the fight. There was something wrong with him. I don't know what it was. He claims there was nothing. Well, I don't believe him. There was something wrong. Maybe he was distracted by something in his personal life. Who knows? But he wasn't in the right place mentally going into the Ruiz fight. Then he gets battered against Andy Ruiz, humiliated in his American debut. That is going to leave mental scars on Anthony Joshua's psyche. Scars that he's going to have to try and get over by December. And there's also the fact that millions of people, literally millions, were trolling Anthony Joshua on social media, even in person, after that Ruiz loss. That's going to leave additional mental scars. Don't underestimate how that must feel. I ain't been in that position. You, none of you have been in that position. Because none of us are that famous to be having millions of people trolling you, saying you're trash, you're garbage, you got a glass jaw, saying that Wilder would wipe you out in a round, Fury would school you, all this kind of stuff, that you're a hype job boxer, the new Frank Bruno. When these are the kind of things that people are saying about you, when you've just been humiliated in the ring and battered, I mean, you're going to be questioning your own ability. You're going to be dealing with the mental scars of the first fight. You're going to, be, going to be dealing with the trolling because that can have an effect on you. Anthony Joshua admitted that one of the reasons he rushed in for the finish against Andy Ruiz is because he was trying to compete with Deontay Wilder because people were bigging up Wilder for his performance and they were expecting something similar from Joshua. So the pressure of the crowd, what the crowd expected from AJ made him rushing recklessly. So he is susceptible to what the crowd are telling him. What the public is are saying about him. So as I say, mental issues going into that fight, have they been resolved? Don't know. Psychological scars from the fight and from the trolling afterwards. And on top of all that, you've got this tug of war, it would seem, in his camp, an internal struggle with one trainer pulling him in one direction and Rob McCracken pulling him in the other direction. He's also lost a lot of weight, it would seem, 
Now, ordinarily, I would say that's a good thing. In fact, I, I, I'm, I'm going to maintain that it's a good thing. But maybe Andy Ruiz has lost weight to counteract that. Um, will AJ lose strength? Will he need the, the extra strength? So there are a lot of question marks about Anthony Joshua going into this fight. So many question marks that I can understand why Shane McGuigan is picking Ruiz again. Because Ruiz, we know, you know, more about him. There's, there's less questions going into this rematch. From a physical standpoint, Anthony Joshua has all the tools to beat Andy Ruiz. Let me just lay that out on the table right away. He's got all the tools to beat him. He's got the height, he's got the reach, he's got the athleticism, the mobility, he's got the punching power. He's been 12 rounds. He can beat Andy Ruiz. But can he beat him with all this baggage? Can he beat him with all this turmoil going on in his camp, in his mind? That's what I'm not sure about. I might end up picking Ruiz to win in the rematch. We'll see. <laughs> There's several weeks to go. You know, I want to see how both guys are shaping up, how they're looking in training, maybe even what they weigh in at before I make my final prediction. But provisionally right now, I might be leaning towards Andy Ruiz to do it again. Because I don't know how settled that AJ mind is and I don't know how settled his camp is. You need to be unified and all going in one direction. You can't have a tug of war in terms of what style AJ needs to be fighting in. There's also a danger which I've talked about before. When you lose a fight, particularly a big fight, there's a tendency for some people to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So not only will they change the thing which they think got them into trouble in the first fight, but they'll change a whole heap of other things which didn't get them into trouble. That's not a good idea. You don't want to change everything about a fighter going into an immediate rematch like this. You know, in an ideal world, and I've said this before, AJ would have taken a tune-up fight or he would have forgotten about the, the Andy Ruiz rematch altogether and gone away, rebuilt himself, learned his trade against, you know, other opponents and then maybe down the line take a Ruiz rematch. I know it's a very... Uh, overused phrase but timing really is everything especially in a sport like boxing AJ rushing right back in there with Ruiz immediately that's a big gamble it could work out better if you take your time instead of rushing so yeah that's my take on what uh, Shane McGuigan has said here interesting information drop your comments in the comment section below if you haven't seen this video go watch it then come back and leave a comment. Let me know what you think in terms of what he said. And if you've got any knowledge of this trainer, which they say Andy, Anthony Joshua has been working with, um, let me know about him too. So yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Who are you leaning towards at this stage? You know, is your... Because look, the odds for the rematch are... That's another thing I forgot to mention. Not, not only is Anthony Joshua dealing with all the mental issues and all that kind of business. The fact he got humiliated and, you know, the, the, the mental scars from that and the trolling and whatever he was dealing with before the first fight. He's, the, he's also the favorite for the rematch. 
So all the pressure, incredibly, is still on Anthony Joshua. Ruiz is expected to lose. I know he's a much, uh, you know, the, the, the odds are a lot shorter than they were for the first fight. But nonetheless, Ruiz is still on the underdog side of the betting odds. <laughs> so more pressure on Anthony Joshua to perform. Will he rise to the occasion? He, he has done incredibly in uh, many fights in his career. I mean, the Vladimir Klitschko fight, what was that, AJ's 18th fight or something? Fighting at Wembley Stadium against the guy vastly more experienced than you? You didn't see Deontay Wilder doing that. And you can say, oh, Klitschko was old and this, that. Well, Luis Ortiz is old. And Klitschko is a hell of a lot better than Luis Ortiz. Who was Wilder fighting in his 18th fight? Just think about the pressure that young man had to deal with in his 18th fight fighting Klitschko at Wembley. It's not just the fight itself. It's the pressure, the crowd, the expectation. I mean, most people would have fallen to pieces. Most inexperienced, you know, 18 and 0, they would have fallen to pieces under them circumstances. And 18, and 18 and 0, Deontay Wilder would have fallen to pieces. Hence why they kept him away from anybody with a pulse until he was at least, what, 32 and 0? Never mind 18 and 0. <laughs> so, yeah, AJ has shown incredible ability to deal with pressure in the past. But everybody has their limit. And has AJ reached his limit in terms of how much pressure he can handle? He might have reached his limit. He might have cracked in that Ruiz fight and he might not have recovered mentally by the time the rematch takes place. Yeah, all points for discussion in the comments, people. Let me know. It's happening. I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week covering a wide variety of controversial topics as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. So we were just talking, this is the very room that you weighed in against Costa Zoo. It is, hey, yeah, fantastic uh, memories. Um, my greatest uh, night, and I had so many great nights um, in Manchester, in the Manchester Arena, uh, and ultimately my me, me best night. And uh, likewise for Anthony, um, he's had so many great times in the, you know, in the arena, winning that world title. It'd be, uh, be a very, very emotional night for him, but uh, yeah, really. It's mad to think that you've had a weigh-in <coughs> in here. Yeah. How on earth they fit everyone in here? That's <laughs> crazy, yeah. isn't it? And it was yeah. Costa Zoo. It was like, and that was the, that was the first time the fight for the Costa Zoo fight. It's the first time I thought, you know, good God, this is a bigger fight. This because I fought at the Manchester Arena when I was WBU champion, and I, I, I fought some good men, you know, like Vince Phillips mm. and Ben Taki and Ray Oliveira and people like that. 
But then when I thought, like, Costa Zoo, it went from, like, you know, Northwestern night, you know, to, you know, to, to Sky Sports, to, like, all the world's media was there, you know. It was like, we went from, like, five cameras to, like, 25 cameras. And <laughs> wow. it, was like, yeah. it was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm here now, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's, uh, yeah, because yeah. you boxed on um, a couple of Hamids undercards, didn't you, for, in the I early did, days? yeah, yeah, boxed um, in Atlantic City and Madison Square Garden. Kevin Kelly fight, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, when, Kevin Kelly, and when he boxed Wayne McCulloch, so they yeah, were great uh, <coughs> learning experiences for me. So, uh, and Anthony's boxed on uh, a few undercards along mm -hmm. the way, and then obviously topped the bill. But I mean, made up for uh, for Anthony. He seems too nice to be a boxer. <laughs> yeah, he's such a nice you, fella. Rick, how you doing, mate? You're all right, you know. But he's, he's uh, you know, he lost uh, he lost a six rounder in his, in his, when he first started kicking off. You know, and then he got stopped by Debbie Matthews for mm. the British title. You know what I mean? And and it's just what an example is. If you stay at it, you stay at it, you stay at it. You don't let a defeat get you two down. Mm. Look what you can you can achieve. Not only win your world title, fight all-time greats like Lamachenko. It's, yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, we'll talk about getting out at the right time. You look back at your career. I, I only really see the two blemishes in Mayweather and Pacquiao. You obviously couldn't quite resist that temptation. So many fighters can't. Came back and fought Zinchenko. You know, you you were out of your prime then because I think uh, a prime Ricky Hatton would have dealt with him. We know how. But but what the, the point being, do, do you regret that? And when you see Anthony retiring on his own terms, what do you think of that? No, I'd have liked to have done that, but it was just circum you know circumstances. It's just the way uh, the way the way it goes. At, you know, at times. I mean, I think I honestly thought when I thought <coughs> Mayweather. Uh, and the likes of Mayweather and Pacquiao, I think it was past me best then, never mind, you know, the Senchenko uh, fights. You know, mm -hmm. I had 15 defences of the WBU title, mm -hmm. the majority of them in the Manchester arena. Uh, and I was never a master of defence, as you can see, you know, so... <laughs> you know, so it, I, I was always in wars, you know, at six yeah. rounds and that, so... Well, by the time, then it had Kosciuszko and Carlos Mauser and Calazzo and Castillo. So I was slightly past me best, I little think, but I mean, I was able to to fight them, give a good account of myself against Mayweather, but yeah. I was well and truly past it against Pacquiao. But the reason for my comeback was I wanted to, because he had to get rid of so many demons, because he had me, you know, he had so many good times and bad times, you know, for me, for me since, where I felt like I'd let so many people down the way, the way I, you know, I lived outside of the ring. I wanted to get my respect back a yeah. little, a little But that's bit. crazy though, to, to, uh. to think that though. No, I mean, well, everybody says to me, does they say, you know, what are you talking about, Rick? You did this, you did that, you fought him, you fought that. But I said, well, it doesn't matter to it's you. What you if that's what I yeah, feel, yeah, I need yeah. to do it. So that's why I needed to do it. I'd have loved to have done it the right way, which I think that's how Anthony's doing yeah. it. I think mean, yeah. he's doing it, he couldn't do it any better. He's got a fellow that is, you know, he should take care of business, but, you know, he's, he's good. It's not like a... It's not like you know he's you know he's going to blow him and he's going to fall over. He's still got to do his job, mm. and I think he will do the job. And I think what a wonderful way to to end your career. And I mean, sometimes though we're not that fortunate, are we? Mm. He's such such a likable lad, isn't he? And I was I was going to say, though you've bit of rivals, that there's a lot of similarities for me between Manchester and Liverpool. In the sense, there's two teams. You've got Everton, Liverpool, City, United. But there's something about Manchester. When there's a boxer or someone like that, the city just comes together. Yeah, what do you United. think it is? Yeah, City United. It always, uh, it always is. And when the atmosphere that I used to have with me, me, me blue moon when it used mm, to comes out, yeah. I hear so many United fans. That's the only time you'll get me singing that. <laughs> fatty. Yeah. That's the only way you get me singing that. Yeah, fatty. Yeah. But you know, they still did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But City fans, I know City fans that turn around and said, "Well, there Saturday, 
we've got to sing that. There's only one, one Anthony Crawley. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's likewise, and that's, you know, we, you know we're a working class city. Working class, you know, I'm a working class guy, Anthony's a working class guy. You know, and the football just gets pushed to the side, you know, and we have mm. boxers fighting and it's... They did it for me and they're doing it for Anthony and they did it for Anthony, yeah. yeah. fantastic. Obviously, you've known him for a number of years because you promoted him for a short yeah. while. It was a, it was a picture that came up not too long ago with him, Scott Quigg, Martin Murray and a few others. Um, he, he said he, he sat and watched you from the stands as a boy fighting in the Manchester Arena. Yeah, so. it makes me feel very, very proud. At the, you know, I mean, only, you know, I, I started off and I had all the champions at first and then um, <clears throat> I sort of like lost my TV dates and you like, you know, so then though the lads, you know, my lads, because they were all champions, they needed TV. Yeah. So I, I, I had to turn around and say, listen, Martin, Scott, Anthony, you know what I mean? I said, you know, for, you know, for, I don't blame you for going elsewhere because, you know, I've, I've took you as far as I could take mm. you, but now, now that side of my promotional side of things, you know, has gone, you need to push on and I can't do that with you no more. So good luck to you. And, I think it wasn't then because I never, you know, you're under contract, you're staying with me. Yeah. Because I was never that way, they were my mates and that. Yeah. I was happy for her to say to them all, go on, good luck. And it's so proud to see what they all ended up becoming. Yeah. I guess know, so it's, that it's nice for me to say I had my own little bit. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I guess it helps, doesn't it? You know, someone like yourself obviously went all the way. When someone's been there and done it, you understand the nature of the business. So for them, you understand they want to be on telly, they want to be on the big shows. If you can't get that from... You know, it's best for you just to say, right, you know, go and go elsewhere. No, absolutely. And to be honest with you, I'd like to think, you know, all the lads, when I see them now, all the lads that were champions, I mean, I had like Craig Watson was a Commonwealth champion. I had my brother Matthew and Steve Foster Jr. They were European champions. I had Denton Vasselli, he was a Commonwealth champion. I mean, the, I, had, I had so many of them. Yeah. And it's nice that when I just see them knocking about now, like, you know, Martin went on and fought for the, for the world title. You know, and Anthony's gone on for the world title. So Martin Murray's gone on and done his thing, and it's it's lovely because when you spend that much time with him, working with him, you know, most you know most of the the early years, you spend that much time with him, you get close to him, and it's, it goes from being a business then mm. goes to being yeah, a friendship. Yeah. So that's why, you know, from from the business side of side of point, point of view, you know, it was it was the right thing for me to go go on, lads, good luck to you, you know, and that's yeah, and yeah. I think they respect me for it. Because, you know, that, that's the way it goes. Mm, yeah. I mean, we talk about how much has happened in the last 10, 15 years, <coughs> but also time goes very quickly. I can remember watching Costa Zouk, remember where I was, and watching the Mayweather fight at one of my first weeks at uni. Uh, in, the, in the sports bar, I remember the very bar we were in watching it, and Anthony was talking earlier today about how quickly time goes and how much he's achieved in such a short space of time. Of course, you now have got your own lad of, of I think he's 18 years of age now, Campbell, is he? And, and Campbell, he's boxing yeah. on uh, Sunday. He's boxing on Sunday, yeah, in the um, Boys Club Championship. We call it Boys Club then, I think yeah. it's the NYP. Or CYPs or something now. Yeah, CYPs now. That's how so old we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, GCEs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got none of those <laughs> on that. No, never. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's great, you know, he's uh, <laughs> progressing really well. You know, he boxes for the Roy Richardson Boxing Club in Stockport, just outside of Manchester, doing great. And me and Matthew do a little bit with him here and there. And I think in the last couple of years, he's really, really slipped a game. And, you know, and it's, I think, you know, all given good time, just let him flourish. But I think he might have it, you know. And uh, if, he, if he does, you know, he does keep improving the way he does. And it might be a second coming, it's excellent. Would you, would you train him as a pro? <clears throat> if he wants me to train him, I mean, whoever he feels comfortable with me, me and... Uh, me and Matthew both work with him and oh, he's coming story. out great, you know yeah. what I mean? And if we went as a pro, me and Matthew, you know, me and Matthew could probably still do the same. 
Could you, you know hold it? Could you yeah. hold your nerve? I, I always yeah. said, I said to Matthew ages ago, I said, listen, you know, if he does go pro, I said, I'd like you to be the trainer because I get so nervous at, uh, at his boxing matches, mm. you know what I mean? It's horrible. Yeah. You sit there and I'm like physically sick. You know, when he was boxing Canelo and like that, I was sat in the front row and I was sick. I was like, oh. <laughs> And this is your own boy, that's yeah, your brother. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was, it's my own son, Campbell. I mean, I, I thought, at first I thought I wouldn't be able to cope. But as I've started working with him in the gym, I think I will be able yeah. to, to cope. Because, I mean, when you're out there watching it from the, from the front row, you can't jump in and do anything about it. But, I mean, when I'm in the corner, I've got a job to do. So yeah. I think I'll be more focused, focused yeah, on that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I would like to train him. But he's, uh, he's coming on really great. We're just going to leave him be, see how he progresses, yeah. Wow. What about, I was going to say, um, why don't you tell, what, what's going on this evening? Why are you looking so smart? Yeah, you're not for us, this is <laughs> We're trying to say you cheeky one. <laughs> I don't believe a screw up, but no, I'm, at, I'm at, uh, just down the road, actually, at awards evening for Manchester Champions um, at the Hilton Hotel. It's a, it's a nice do, and I'm getting, being awarded um, uh, for services to, to sport in Manchester oh, awards. So, uh, That's well deserved. So, yeah, because, yeah. uh, I mean, I always... Um, being, being honoured by your, your hometown is always a big thing because, like I said earlier, we're a working class town. I'm a working class, you know, kid, and um, you know, I think people like me because of me fighting, but I think they like it because I've always stayed to my roots and never, you know, always been nothing more than a Manchester Scallywag, yeah. to be honest <laughs> with you. And I kept, you know, kept it real as we're saying. I think that's what we all do in Manchester, so it's always nice to to be given any awards, but by your hometown that you're so proud for, yeah. proud of. What was I was saying here? Yeah. Do you know what? I've got one last question. Um, you know your support. We all know about it. Drinking Vegas dry <coughs> and all of that. You know, just ridiculous about. Yeah, and I was in training. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> numbers. But was it? Was it? Did you always have that support from early on, or was it a gradual thing? When did more it start? Popular you got? No, yeah. I think I always had it from from the start on a on a smaller scale. You know, when you start off, you know, I, you know, my first one was in Witness Kingsway Leisure Centre. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but I mean, I still took about 500 and for an 11 right, leisure centre yeah, for the yeah, first one, yeah. four round. And like, so you, you so, so, it out, so I always had it, but the, the fan base that was built around Manchester uh, in general, you know, was, was done between with the three of us. It was me, Michael Gomez, and Anthony Farnell, and we all boxed on the shows together. And mm, they had their own yeah. fans, I had my fans, and Anthony had my fans. But when I sort of like elevated to that next next level, I was very proud to say that Anthony's and Gomez's fans, they, they, yeah, yeah, they come yeah. with me, you know what I mean? And it just got bigger and bigger, but yeah, we, I, always had a, I always had a fan base. I mean, I always thought, I, I always tried to do the extra mile, you know, I always tried to do a little bit of a charity. I was doing sportsman's dinners before I was even world champion, just so I could get my face about, and I was at every do, you know, and people would say, who's he, who's that kid? Oh, that's him, is it? And it, you've got to do them things to put yourself out and do the extra mile, go the extra mile. and. Uh, that's what I did, and I think people would say, you know what, he can fight that Ricky Amberway, yeah. what a good lad he is. Yeah. And, and that's where it comes that's where it comes from. I think, yeah. I think it was that a long time before we see another Ricky out and yeah, support. Well. No, I hope so, and I hope I hope uh, I can bring one through to make everyone as proud. Yeah. As I like to think I did, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Safe to say Crawler's he's held the torch world, isn't he, in, in between now and whenever that person arrives, he's done a stellar yeah. job for the oh, city without, of Manchester. Without a doubt, you know, some great nights, great atmospheres. And sometimes, you know, you think when you would you ever see it, you know, get anywhere near? Like when I was was there, you know, by a fellow Mancunian, mm. 
He did it, didn't he? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Brilliant. Proud of him. Absolutely. Ricky, great to speak to you, mate. Thanks for Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Nice one. Pleasure. Good luck to you. see you, Darren. No problem, mate. Another month goes by, and yet another rumour about a Vladimir Klitschko comeback. <laughs> this time they got some quotes from, uh, is it Dr. Iron Fist or Steel Hammer? I always forget, because one of them, I'm talking about the Klitschko brothers here, one of them is Iron Fist and the other one is Steel Hammer. So, yeah, Klitschko said, and he told Business Insider, I still got it, can I fight? Yes. Right now I keep my options open. There is going to be no comeback to come back and break a jaw. It's a comeback to break a record. Is it appealing? I would say, yeah, it's pretty cool. George Foreman did it. He was 45, I believe, when he became champion. And that's a pretty cool statement. And, of course, we know in the past, Klitschko has been linked with a possible DAZN deal. So they're quoting Eddie Hearn here, saying that DAZN have spoken to Klitschko and We'd love to get Klitschko back in the ring, yada, 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 yada. Anyway, Klitschko is how old now? Is he 42, 43? Okay, he's 43. So if he wanted to break George Foreman's record, um, how old was Foreman? 46, wasn't he? 45. I'm sure Foreman was 46 when he beat Michael Mora. Any of you want to go check on Wikipedia, you can do it now. Or on box rep. I'm sure Foreman was 46, not 45. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was 45. Um, but if Klitschko was to try and break that record, I guess by a few days, <laughs> then he would probably need to come back in 2020. Because he's going to be uh, 44 in 2020. It might take a couple years in order to maneuver himself into a position where he can get a crack at one of the belts. And you don't just want to jump back in when you've been out the ring for several years in a top fight when you're Klitschko's age. Particularly when you've suffered knockout defeats in the past. In fact, your last fight was a knockout defeat. You don't want to jump right back in there at the top. You want to ease your way into it, test the waters, see where you're at, and take it from there. And of course, He's going to need to be very strategic if he does decide to come back and go for Foreman's record in terms of which champion he picks. So I'm sure he's if, he's, if he's serious about trying to break Foreman's record, he's looking at the lay of the land, he's seeing where all the different belts go, and then maybe he'll try to take it from there. Perhaps he'll come out of retirement if Alexander Usek is able to pick up one of the belts, like the WBO belt. Because although Usek apparently gave him hell in sparring, Usek is a smaller guy. He's going to use movement. It might not be a brutal fight for Klitschko. And maybe over the course of 12 rounds with big gloves, Klitschko feels like he'll be able to get to Usek. You know? Whereas if, you, if he's going in there with an AJ again, or an Andy Ruiz, a Wilder, a Fury, it might take... It might be more of a physically taxing fight than a Usek fight. So, I don't know. Going to be interesting to see where it goes. Obviously, I would advise Vladimir Klitschko not to do it, but why the hell should he listen to me? He's achieved far more than most boxers will ever achieve. And you don't get to that level that Klitschko's been at by listening to naysayers, by listening to doubters, by listening to people who are thinking, oh no, you'll get hurt if you do that. You don't achieve the great things he's achieved by doing that 
you achieve what he's achieved by believing in yourself and listening to your inner voice. Now, of course, that inner voice in light of life can start to betray you. It can start to tell you that you can still do it when your body actually can't. Will that be the case with Klitschko? We'll see. Uh, if there was a time for somebody to break George Foreman's record, there's probably no better time than now. Because heavyweights today seem to have more longevity than they did in years gone by. Yeah? I mean, I'm not saying you're going to be in your prime when you're 40 plus. You're obviously not. But there's a lot more heavyweights in their late 30s, early 40s who are still, you know, contenders in the top 10 than there was in yesteryear. Klitschko keeps himself in great shape. He didn't take a lot of punishment throughout his career. Yeah, there was a few fights, like his losses, where he took some punishment. The Ross Purity loss. The uh, Corey Sanders loss, although that was a short fight. And even against Ross Purity, he didn't take that much punishment until the very end. Corey Sanders was a short fight. The first Brewster fight was probably one of the most punishing fights. Did take a decent amount of uh, punishment there. And obviously the AJ fight, that might, he might have taken the most punishment in the AJ fight. Didn't really take much punishment in the Fury fight, truth be told. So, pro, you know, not that many miles on the clock in terms of the punishment he's taken to the head. But of course the body, can it take the training camps again? We'll see. Um, that's if Vladimir Klitschko actually decides to return to the ring. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Is this a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Yeah, let me know, people. It's happening. I'm out. Shots fired. <laughs> George Groves and Carl Frampton have got beef. I mean, this is the first I've heard about it, but it's coming straight from the horse's mouth. George Groves put this tweet out. Now, he appears to be alluding to some comments from Carl Frampton, where Frampton has apparently said that Groves quit in the Callum Smith fight. So let me read out this tweet. I mean, you can see it on screen. Grove said, a bit too long for a tweet and we've blocked each other, so someone please tag him. So it would seem that these two have been on uh, bad terms for a while if they've both blocked each other. So he says here, I saw Carl Frampton suggesting in an interview with Callum Smith that I quit. If you've got something to say, half pint, then say it to me, you jealous little you-know-what. <laughs> you know F all about me and F all about what it took to even make it to that fight. I'm not going to let little haters like you diminish my career, research my career, see what I overcame and try to find quit in me. So those are the words of the saint, George Groves. <laughs> not happy with a uh, half pint, as he calls him, Carl Frampton. Shots fired. Let's see if Carl Frampton responds. Now, it's interesting because both of these guys, or these two guys, should I say, are former stablemates under Shane McGuigan. So did they have beef from when they were stablemates? Or is this something which has developed after the fact? Because, of course, Carl Frampton left the McGuigan stable, had a public falling out with the McGuigans, particularly Barry, and last I checked, there was some kind of legal battle going on between Frampton and the McGuigans, or Barry McGuigan and Cyclone Promotions, to be specific. So, 
Is Frampton upset with Groves because he stayed with the McGuigans? Did he want Groves to, you know, stick on his side? And I don't know what's going on here, people. Maybe uh, some of you who are closer to the situation, perhaps you're from Ireland, please fill me in in the comment section below. I'd love to know why these two are beefing. <laughs> Obviously, they can never settle it in the ring. The size disparity is far too great. <laughs> but I do find it funny, I'm not going to lie. It's not that common for George Groves to have a serious issue with somebody to the point where he's taken to social media and he's calling them out like this. <laughs> Especially in retirement, Groves is kind of more chill. I mean, we even saw him on Sky the other day uh, presenting side by side with Carl Frotch, his nemesis. So if he can bury the hatchet with Frotch in retirement, then he's obviously in a a laid back place, but not when it comes to Carl Frampton, apparently. <laughs> Calling him half pint and jealous and whatnot. It's crazy. So yeah, let me know what you think about this in the comment section below. Just a bit of fun. I'm sure nothing serious is going to come of it. Uh, but yeah, if you can give me some background on this, why these two seemingly don't like each other, why they've blocked each other, then please enlighten us. All right? It's happening. I'm out.